Coming up on the Keto Camp Podcast, we discuss how to build muscle on keto, how to overcome long COVID, and so much more with my special guest, John Kelly. Be proactive about your health. You have to know what's going on. And you have to know what's in your food. You have to know what is a carb, what's a fat, what's a protein, and how they work in your body. And it's not like you need to study for five years. You can read just a nice nutrition book, and now you'll look at your food different, right? So if you're reading a book on protein, carbs and fat, nutrition, whole food, and you're learning the difference, it's going to be so much easier for you to make the right choice. But if you don't know, you think that the world is giving you what you need. The world is selling you whatever it can to make the most profit. We have access to ancient healing strategies such as ketosis, fasting, and carnivore. And on the Keto Camp Podcast, we are determined to deliver the science to you. We bring in the thought leaders in this space to have extraordinary conversations so you could apply it and change your life. Your body was built to thrive. Your body is capable of healing as long as you identify the interference and remove it. I believe you are a masterpiece because you are a piece of the master. My name is Ben Azadi. I'm the best-selling author of Keto Flex, and I wanna thank you for spending part of your day with me. Hey, Keto Camper. Hope you're having an incredible day today. I've got vitamin G flowing through my body. Gratitude because you chose us at all the options out there. So thank you so much. I am your host, Ben Azadi. You can learn more about me over at benazadi.com. Today's episode is kind of special in many, many ways. Number one, I'm bringing on a friend of mine, a close friend of mine, ex-business partner, somebody that I admire, respect, uh, who has mentored me, John Kelly. That's one reason why this is special. The second reason is that this is the first in-person Keto Camp podcast recording we have done at our new studio. You may or may not have heard if you've been following me on social media. I recently moved into a new place and built out an in-person podcast studio. It's beautiful. The sound is incredible. And this is the first episode we recorded in person here in Miami, Florida, with John Kelly. We'll have a lot more episodes coming out that are in person. This is the first one. So John Kelly's going to come on and share his story. Oh my gosh. Talk about adrenal fatigue, adrenal insufficiency, burnout. That is the story of his life. Being bullied and picked on, constant fight or flight state, sympathetic tone on overdrive. And you'll hear how that manifested into a lot of health challenges and why he decided he needs to get more parasympathetic and how he uses the aura ring to gauge heart rate variability, which is something I love to look at and study. We'll take a deep dive into why we love the Aura Ring, why we love heart rate variability, what it means, how to increase it, etc. We'll talk about the importance of recovery from training and why muscle is important to build. And he's going to teach you how to do that on keto. He has a free guide for you to learn how to build muscle on keto, by the way, which is super cool. He'll mention that. It's fitonketo.com for a free guide. I downloaded it myself, and you'll hear more about that. We'll also dive deeper into breath work and why he loves that as a free biohack to put you in a parasympathetic state. He'll share some recommendations on how to do that at home. 
And of course, we get into long COVID, which is also part of his challenges that he had a few years ago, what to do with long COVID, how visualization is an important thing for visualizing good health, especially when it comes to overcoming COVID, why the word try is a bad word, and we want to eliminate that. He actually catches himself using the word try accidentally and corrects himself on the show. Super funny. You're going to love him. You're going to love the quality of this because it was in person. I cannot wait to bring him on. Before I do, I want to get to today's Apple podcast rating and review of the day. Today's five-star review is from Jay Berlin, titled, I learned most of what I know from Ben. I'm so grateful for the info he is putting out there. I love his passion, dedication to bringing the best to us. I'm a fan, a huge fan. Jay Berlin, I'm a huge fan of you too. I'm so glad you listened to the show and you acknowledge my passion and desire to bring you the best of the best. We really get the best guests in the world on this show. So thank you for showing up. Thank you for pressing play. Thanks for taking the time to leave that rating and review. It really helps. Hey, if you have not left the Keto Camp Podcast a rating or review yet, please do so. It really helps the show grow and reach more people. I mentioned on the episode we released last Friday with Charles Clay that my goal is to bridge the gap between science of keto and the art of keto because they're not necessarily the same thing, but when you bring them together, oh my gosh, I want to make you the artist of your life and your health. I'm putting together a free training on the four secrets to keto to bridge the gap between the science and the art. The art is where you customize keto to work for you, your unique needs, your unique health history. And I'm going to outline four secrets to keto so you could apply this and get amazing results. This is a free training. First come, first serve, meaning we only have enough room for a certain amount of capacity. We're going to give away some free gifts. I'm going to be live on there with you. It's taking place this Friday, August 25th, 12 p.m. Eastern. 9 a.m. Pacific. If you go to ketosismasterclass.com, you could register your free spot. That is ketosismasterclass.com. Let me teach you the art and the science of keto. We're going to have some fun. Prioritize it. There will be a 24-hour replay. Bring a pen and paper. Take notes. I am excited to see you there. I'll put a link for that down below in the podcast notes. All right, let's have a fun conversation with John Kelly. If you want to watch the video version of today's interview at the new Keto Camp Podcast Studio, that's on youtube.com slash keto camp. John Kelly is a friend, a mentor. He is the founder of Live Free CrossFit, Live Free Community. He is the CEO of True Fitness AI, and he has an incredible story to share with you today. Here is John Kelly. John Kelly. What's up, brother? Welcome to ben the show. Ben Thank you so much. I'm very honored to be here. I know everybody says that before podcasts, but <laughs> if everybody knew our history and where we started, and how far you've come in the last couple of years, they would understand what an honor it is to be on the other side of this mic from you. Thank you, bro. I feel the same way. And I want to talk a little bit about our backstory. First of all, happy birthday. Today you. is your 45th birthday. Well, actually, I don't subscribe to the Judeo-Christian traditional beliefs of birthdays. I now call it my crystallization on this frequency crystallization on this frequency. I'm just joking. <laughs> I've been busting people's I balls. Heard, heard that one before. I've just been trying to give people a run for their money all day because I'm getting so many birthday wishes. Uh, like, actually, please, <laughs> let me correct you. Because they know me as the, the conspiracy guy. That's true. So then I try to make a joke yeah, out of it. And, and it's They don't really know. I half believe that. I'm like, all right, res- <laughs> I respect it. 
Right. Well, your backstory, right? You know, I was thinking about this before because I was taking notes to get ready to prepare for the interview today. And we have a great friendship and we were uh, business partners for many, many years. And we'll talk about that. But I was thinking about the first time we met. And the first time we met was actually a business meeting at McDonald's. Yes. <laughs> Chosen by Ali, probably. Chosen by our business partner, uh, ex-business partner Ali at McDonald's. And we were talking about opening up a CrossFit gym. And we did. And I want to talk about that. But let's rewind before that. You have a great story. You Thank know, you. you were a firefighter and you got really sick, burnt out, adrenal fatigue. I want you to go back to that time in your life. And what were some of the things that transpired that led up to some of those physical challenges? Well, I think we have to go back a little further because when I really started to understand what the stress response was, I realized that I had been in fight or flight for decades. From the seventh grade, my parents got divorced. And I went from elementary school to middle, middle school, which is like kids 12 to 15, which is a really big difference in development. And because we live in Miami, it was a predominantly black school. So I dealt with a lot of racism, being white, you know, being called a, can I curse on here? Mm -hmm. I yeah. was making a joke with my wife the other day. And it's like the worst thing you could be called is <laughs> it's like the That's worst. Called over oh my God. Yeah. yeah. So it was like, Going to school was more about survival than it was learning because you had to like kind of figure out it was like being in a concrete jungle where you're going to get hit, where you're going to get jumped, you know, walking through the halls, getting smacked in the back of the head. Wow. In the Yeah. It, you know how like after lunch, there's like a little area where everybody kind of chills. Mm -hmm. Like if you were on the fence, you would get kicked in the back and you're just one person. Even the teachers were scared of the kids. It was one of those schools, you know, and as I learned more about stress, I realized that, damn, I was in a stressed out state and I felt like it really stunted my growth on a lot of different levels, but it did also toughen me up, make me strong, make me make the decision to take responsibility for what I could. I couldn't change my color of my skin. I couldn't change my height, but I was a little chunky and I could like fix that. Mm. So I was like, if I'm going to be in this environment, I got to get stronger. So I started strength training, you know, 12, 13 years old. I was an avid comic book reader. And I kind of would like would look at the different characters and see what they were going through. And I would pattern myself after that. Like Batman was always training, right? So I was like, all right, I got to train. Wolverine, he was a little guy and he got in a lot of fights, but he never gave up. You know, he, if he got his ass whooped, he got his ass whooped. So that was me. And then the Hulk was always my favorite from a kid. So it was like I had a, a trigger temper. And what I realized later on in life because when I got sick, I got like my Dutch test. I got my hormones checked. I even got my genetic profile done that I had a double recessive gene that actually makes you lose your temper quicker mm. and stay angry longer. Mm. So as normal people, they, they get upset and then their brains go through this neurotransmitter process of serotonin and dopamine, et cetera, that brings them back down to like a calm level. That was inhibited in me. So I would be extended out. And I would realize why I would have a quick temper and I would stay angry and I would get in a lot of fights because of that, I wouldn't be able to calm down. So I would be up. And that's kind of what led me to becoming an MMA fighter without even knowing it, just kind of always seeking something as an outlet for that feeling that I had. I used to break stuff when I would get mad, like in my room, like if this was my room, I would be throwing books and my parents were going through a lot of stuff and they got divorced around that same time. So it was just a lot of stuff all at one time that kind of pushed me in the direction of being who I am today. From that period, around 18, 19 years old, I got kicked out of school. 
for fighting, um, went to jail for fighting, had to leave college for fighting. And uh, I met my wife now, Claudia. And she was like, dude, this is not you. You got to stop hanging out. I was hanging out with the wrong people, doing the wrong stuff. And she gave me something like to ground me. And then she got pregnant and she had Alicia. And at that point, I had also a really good mushroom trip around the same time that really opened my eyes to the layers in between things and connected me to people, to things, to nature on a level that I had never connected before. And then I kind of saw life from a different perspective and meeting her, taking those mushrooms and then having a baby really grounded me down. And that's before I became an MMA fighter, I really wanted to do something to prove to myself that I was worth something because I knew in my heart that I was smart. I knew that I was talented. I knew that I was athletic, but I had never, I had always destroyed that. I was self-destructive, you know? I never allowed that to manifest. So at that time, I realized that the uh, FIU football team was having tryouts. So I was like, this is the perfect opportunity for me to walk onto a team because I played like in the streets and in the park with all the good high school guys and they weren't anything special. I looked at, I used to read the sports page. Remember the newspaper? Yeah. I used to read the sports page and I would look at the guy's weight and height. I'm like, that's my weight and height. And I, I, I refused to believe that I couldn't do it. Even though I didn't play a down in high school because of just the problems that I had, I didn't even want to play sports. It was just selling drugs and smoking weed and all the And then I saw this opportunity and I, I just, my attitude changed instantaneously. I was like, this is my shot. I'm going to go for this. I, I didn't have the traditional beliefs of, uh, it's impossible. You didn't play high school. Because a lot of people would think that you're not going to walk onto a college team. You didn't play it down in high school. But I was like, I can do this. So I was enrolled in Miami-Dade. First of all, I had to enroll full-time at FIU. So I did that. I had to go to the South Campus. So I had to take the bus every day from the North Campus to the South Campus and do all my classes there. And then... I had to prepare for the tryout. So I would train in the gym where all the, the football players that were already signed and all the baseball players where they signed. So I was like wearing the uniform that I wanted to, uh, the job that I wanted, you know? So I was there, I was training, I was leading. By example, I was 22 and they were calling me grandpa because <laughs> all the guys were 18. But I, that four years is a lot in that time frame, especially when you have a kid. Yeah. And I was able to give them insights and leadership that a lot of them didn't have in the weight room because they were all a freshman class. There was no upperclassmen. So I think the strength coach kind of saw that and they saw me training on the field by myself, running drills, running on the track. And I would come home and I would run sprints because I know I had to be fast. You know, I know I had to be explosive. It doesn't matter how good of a leader you are. If you don't stack up statistically, you're not getting on the team. So I prepared myself mentally, physically, in every way that I could, did the tryout, got the letter one day. I was with a, a guy named Nick Turnbull, that he was like the, one of the best players on the team. He was a safety, and he actually played in the NFL. And he was with me that day, and I opened the, the mailbox, and I see the letter, and I'm like, I've been working my ass off for like over a year for this moment, you know? Let's see what happens. And the feeling that it said, you made the team, you know? Like, I couldn't believe it that I had manifested that. I know that's such an overused term, but I feel like I really did put my heart and soul into it. And I didn't allow anybody's perspective to change what I thought was possible. And I, and I did it. And that was like the moment that I realized, huh, 
I can do anything I want to do if I put my mind to it, mm. you know? And at 22, after all this I had been through, it was like a, a, a wave of relief that allowed me to understand that I have a future. And then from that point, I started working as a personal trainer and I was still kind of stuck in the aggressive mindset. I needed some kind of outlet. That's when I became an MMA fighter at the same time as a firefighter. So that's where I think I really pushed myself too far because once I figured I could do anything, I was like, I can do anything. I can be a firefighter. I can be an MMA fighter. I can be a dad. I can work as a personal trainer. I can do all of it. I remember, you know, you would hear stress, stress kills this stuff. I'd be like, what's stress? Bro? I don't even understand what stress is. Like I honestly didn't understand because there wasn't as much literature as there is now. Yeah. There wasn't the internet. This is pre-internet. So stress was like a concept you heard, but it wasn't explained to me in a physiological way. And it's, it's not something you could see too. It's no. a kind of like this silent killer. And you don't realize, even though you're doing positive things, it's still stressful. And not to mention, come on, in Miami, you drink, you party, mm -hmm. you go out, you know, we were young. So we were kind of burning the candle on both ends. And after doing that from 27, when I started training jujitsu and firefighting, all the way to 34 years old, when we started to meet and hang out, is when I started to really feel the effects of it. And it was like from one competition to the next day. So I was competing in CrossFit because I had stopped fighting due to an elbow injury. So I started doing like the next competitive outlet, CrossFit which allowed me to be competitive. It allowed me to push myself to that place of pain and overcome adversity, but I didn't get punched in the face. So there was like a plus to it, you know? And on top of that, me and my wife did it together. It was the first thing we ever did physically together because I always worked out, but she never did. So that was kind of like a bond that we had. And I was like, okay, again, I'm gonna be the best at CrossFit. I'm gonna be the best in this gym. So literally I started training like a madman. And while I was working, I would drink caffeine all day. You know how that goes. Yep. Yeah. So I'm drinking coffee in the morning, coffee in the afternoon, pre-workout at 6 p.m. Sleep is starting to get messed up. It's been messed up, but it's starting to get real messed up. Like cortisol levels flipped to where they're high at night and low in the morning and sex hormones gone. Like you would think you want to have sex, but your body just wasn't responding. You know, you'd think, oh, I got to have sex, but I don't feel like it. And my wife would be like, oh, do you want to go out? I'm like, mm, not really. I didn't feel like going anywhere. So after this three-day competition, it was kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back. I got second place, which was another pain. Because it's like three days of hard work for second place. The number one guy got $1,000. I like got a plastic medal. <laughs> a plastic medal with a sticker on the back. <laughs> You came in second place. Yeah. I'm like, could you give him 500 and me 300 and this <laughs> yeah. guy 200, please? Like, make us feel good. At least <laughs> through that in the garbage, I was pissed. And then I remember my buddy wanted me to go train with him at the gym. I couldn't walk in the gym. My body would like, it would go into alarm state. Like, this is right after the competition? Yeah, this is like five days later or three days later. We came back from Orlando, you know, settled down. Let's go train. And I couldn't go inside. I was like, I don't know what's wrong with me. Like, it was like a panic attack. So my body was telling me like, you have to stop, but I couldn't read the signs. Cause I was just, that was my identity. And then one day my wife was like, you haven't smiled in like a month. And I started to age rapidly. I woke up with irregular heartbeat yeah. in the middle of the night. And that's what really got me to be like, okay, 
why am I waking up at 3.30 every single night? It's like 3.30 on the dot. So I'm like, all right, now we got the internet. Let's go to Google. So I go to Google and it showed me that your body goes through a 24-hour clock. Each system goes through like two hours. So it's like 12 systems and this is Chinese medicine. Mm -hmm. And it showed me which parts of my body were a little off, which led me to like acupuncture and Chinese medicine. Looked up somebody locally. I went over to them. They did the intake on me. And she was like, you are the classic adrenal fatigue case. And I'm like, what is that? She's like, you've basically, you know, a diabetic eats so much carbs that they can't produce insulin. You've done so much adrenaline things that you can't produce those hormones anymore. Those hormones are not being produced at the rate that they should be. You've exhausted your adrenals. And then I had to learn about my adrenals. And I was like, when she told me the news, I was like, okay, well, she's going to give me some supplements. I wasn't going to do the big pharma role route. She's going to give me some supplements. I'll take a couple of days off and I'll be back. Then I started to read up on it. Recovery is two to three years. Mm. Two to three years. Why would it take two to three years? And then it started, this is a, a culminative thing. It accumulates over time. So they're like, this didn't happen to you this year. This happened to you since you started doing MMA. Because think about it. MMA is fight or flight. Yeah. So you get up in the morning, fight or flight. You train at night, jujitsu, fight or flight. Then you go to the fire department, try to go to sleep. The bell rings, fight or flight. Every call, you don't know if it's gunshot, you know, fire alarm, if it's a real fire, if it's a car wreck, because you get all that stuff, you know? So it's like, bam, bam, all these doses. And eventually it was like, just like somebody who eats sugar, right? Yeah. Your body just no longer can do it anymore. And it wrecked me, but it was the path necessary for me to understand what true fitness is, you know, what true health is, and that everything is on a spectrum, and that holistic health is the only way that you're going to be able to be successfully sustaining high levels of performance. So if you want to be a high performer, you can't just focus on the aspects of working. You have to focus on the aspects of recovery just as much as you do work so that you can sustain that over time. And luckily, I mean, I didn't get super sick or anything, but those kind of things can lead to more disease down the line. It can lead to blood sugar issues. I had blood sugar issues uh, at, with a six pack blood sugar issues, right? I had sex hormone issues. I had sleep issues and all of those things compound to lead to bigger dysfunctions or disease in the system. So that story of me getting sick when you met me mm -hmm. started when I was a kid and it just kept going and kept building and kept going. And I was just unaware at all of the fact that there's a part of life that needs to be worked in, rested, meditate, breath work. Like all that stuff was bull to me. I figured if I trained harder, then you couldn't beat me. But in actuality, you get diminishing returns with that. So that's kind of what led me to CrossFit, even though in my mind now, CrossFit is not the best holistic model, you know? But at least you have the leeway as a CrossFit owner to run it any way you want. And that's kind of where I've trended in the last, you know, six, seven years towards the end of our time together. And then after that, once you were gone, and Ali was just there as like a, uh, you know, silent investor. It was pretty much just me to run the show. So I had to figure out like what was going to be my brand. What was going to be what I wanted to teach people. Because you know the saying, uh, paraphrase over here, <laughs> too many chefs in the kitchen, right? You can't have a That's lot a of problem. chefs. Yeah. It's a problem. You got to have one vision. There's one general in the army. Right. One general in the army. And 
we all work towards that. And that was when I was able to be like, okay, now I can kind of do the things that I think are healthy for people long-term. And by no means was I an expert and I'm still not an expert. I'm still a student, just like everybody else learning as I go. But these experiences have allowed me to see it coming in people. So I can start to see the signs in people before they even realize it. And I can tell them my experience and hopefully lead them from going over that cliff because like, I'm never going to be the same. But if I would have been able to pull back sooner, I could have maintained higher performance for many, many more years. And that's the key, I think, that we're all striving for is a long life, but also a life of health, wealth, and abundance. And the only way that we're able to do that is through holistic means. Yeah. Wow. I want to unpack that story because I think it's relatable, but we're similar in many ways in the sense that when you put your mind to something, like you become obsessive. At least that's what I've heard from your story. Like your obsessions become your possessions is what I've heard paraphrases. And (laughs) I think that's a great thing as long as it's harnessed the right way and there's a balance, right? You did so much sympathetic that your nervous system was just on overdrive since high school, since being transferred to that school, being bullied and being in this fight or flight state, you got locked in there and your body was adapting and adapting and eventually led to symptoms. And I believe symptoms, and I want to hear your thoughts on symptoms. Symptoms are a gift from the body. And we've been brainwashed to believe that symptoms are evil and we should hate it. But it's really the body's check engine light. And your check engine light turned on when you were in your early 20s, but you ignored it. And eventually it turned on even brighter and brighter. And eventually your car was just like, I can't even function anymore. So what are your thoughts on symptoms? And how do we educate those listening and watching to pay attention to what their body is communicating to them? Well, I have been really trying to get my audience to take annual assessments of themselves, right? Because a lot of these symptoms are so subtle that you could just chalk it up to aging. Oh, I'm just getting older, you know? Oh, I don't feel the same. I don't have the same zest for life anymore. Their doctor would tell them that too. It's because of your age you have this. Oh, it's because you're in menopause, you have these symptoms. Yeah, this is normal, right? Mm -hmm. And because we've been programmed to think that way, we just kind of let these things go and we just take it that that's how life is. So one of the things I like to preach is knowing your, in business, we call them KPIs, right? Mm -hmm. Key performance indicators. I think we need to start looking at key health indicators. Love that. Right? And we need to start saying, okay, yearly, I'm going to get my blood done, which is a snapshot, right? At that moment in time, this is what your blood says. Doesn't necessarily mean that's the whole truth. So then you got to do saliva tests, which go throughout the whole day. Then you got to check your body fat, your blood pressure, your resting heart rate, your heart rate recovery, all of these things that now we have the tools, we have the aura ring, our heart rate variability, we have heart rate monitors. There's unlimited tools that allow us to kind of get insights into how our bodies are functioning. And if we can be proactive, with monitoring our health indicators and use those numbers as a guide to our behavior patterns, we can begin to really see what true health is. And through that process, begin to live a healthier, happier, longer life. My mom, you know, like your father passed away early due to disease. She died of cancer. She wasn't like a heavy smoker, but she smoked like most of her life, you know, but she was a heavy drinker. But worse than that, she was a heavy emotional. Trapped emotions. Yes. She would hold on to grudges. She would 
gets slighted at the smallest thing and then hold on to it for weeks, you know? And I feel like that's a symptom that we need to be aware of that we're kind of addicted to those feelings and that we have to be aware that, okay, emotionally, my refractory period is way too long. If somebody cuts you off in traffic, it's okay to feel upset for a second because that's your, your body's natural process. But then you have the higher conscience and you have to say, that's not good for me. You know, this person could be in a hurry and I'm going to change my perspective and it's not going to bother me, you know, because I'm not in a hurry. I'm just chilling. You know, we're all going to get to the same place one day. And you're studying and listening to something, I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. More study time. Yeah. <laughs> On YouTube, <laughs> exactly. in the Mustangs too loud. I got to put the thing to my ear. But, I've been there. But those symptoms are super important to use as guideposts so that we can keep ourselves from getting sick because most of the people die from preventable disease. That's something I learned in the fire department too. And, and why I went into the gym business, there's a couple of reasons, but one of those reasons is I would see people with diabetes, cancer, high blood pressure, heart disease, and they would still be eating the sugar. They would still be uh, not exercising. They'd still be eating the fried foods, eating the processed foods. And I would sit there on the call Why, of course, we're giving them the medicine they need. And I would say, hey, sir, you know, this food's not good for you. You should be eating beef. You should be eating vegetables. You should stay away from these foods. The doctors never told them that mm -hmm. stuff. They just give them the medicine. And then later, years later, I come to find out that doctors have very little training in nutrition. Yeah. And that blew my mind because nutrition is medicine. You know, food is medicine. There was a great doctor, Hippocrates. Hippocrates. Yeah. <laughs> I got a quote. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what did he say? He said that food is medicine and medicine is food. Yeah. Right. And when people can start to understand the proactive approach to living a healthy and fit life, they don't need the pharmaceuticals down the road. So of course we all know that, you know, business is about return customers. So I don't expect a for-profit corporation to want you to be healthy. Like that's just not what they do. They're there to give you medicine. So they're not going to teach you how to be healthy. They're going to teach you and the facilitators, the doctors, that medicine is required, not proactive, holistic approach to health. So by understanding, and another thing that I think that all of our listeners need to do a better job of is knowing the body, understanding the body. The body is a beautiful thing. Hey, when was the last time you bit into a juicy burger or a perfectly cooked steak and thought to yourself, this is the best thing I've ever tasted. If it's been a while, it's probably because most meat products are conventionally raised, which not only affects the flavor profile, but significantly diminishes the beneficial nutrients and minerals. And believe it or not, even products that are labeled as grass-fed or ethically raised to make you think they're high quality, are often finished on grain or in factory farms, which is why I am so excited to share something with you today that will not only help you avoid the hormones, antibiotics, and pesticide residues that diminish the taste of conventionally raised meat, but could also save you nearly $1,000 over the next year on your grocery bill. And the best part, this may be the best tasting thing you've had in a long time. So what the heck am I talking about? I'm talking about Wild Pastures Meat Delivery. They provide the highest quality meats from small, regenerative, family-run farms here in the United States that prioritize sustainability and animal welfare. Their beef is 100% grass-fed. Their pork and poultry are 
pasture-raised, something you won't find anywhere in the grocery store, resulting in meats that are not only healthier for you, but also better for the environment. One of the reasons why me and my fiance Natasha loves wild pastures is that we can opt out out of supporting harmful conventional farming practices and instead support small family-run farms without spending a fortune. And the convenience doesn't stop there. They offer delivery straight to your door so you can enjoy delicious, high-quality meats without even leaving your house. No matter where you are in the lower 48 states, Wild Pastures has got you covered. Not only is this the most convenient way to get your meat products, but Wild Pasture meats are better for you nutritionally and they're higher in the total nutrients, phytonutrients, antioxidants, key fatty acids, vitamins, minerals, proteins, and amino acids. And today, for keto campers, for a limited time, you can get 20% off every box plus free shipping for life and... $15 off your first box. This is a crazy deal, and I hope you take advantage of it. So make the switch to Wild Pastures today and save nearly $1,000 on your grocery bill while feeling healthier and enjoying the best-tasting meats of your life. All you need to do is go to the link in the podcast notes down below. Everything is already applied. All you got to do is click that link, customize your order, and you'll have some delicious, healthy-tasting meats very soon. Head to the podcast notes down below, click the link, enjoy your wild pastures. Okay, let's get right back to this episode. I remember when I switched from being a finance major in college to exercise physiology because I was like, what do I really like? I like training. So I went to exercise physiology. Anatomy and physiology was the coolest class to learn about the cells, to learn about our organ systems and how they all work together blew my mind. And it really allowed me to figure out what I needed to do to be healthy. And we walk around in this thing all day, but yet only a few people actually care to figure out how it works. Mm -hmm. And in order to really recognize those symptoms and be proactive about your health, you have to know what's going on. And you have to know what's in your food. You have to know what is a carb, what's a fat, what's a protein, and how they work in your body. And it's not like you need to study for five years. You can read just a nice nutrition book and now you'll look at your food different, right? So if you're reading a book on protein, carbs and fat, nutrition, whole food, and you're learning the difference, it's going to be so much easier for you to make the right choice. But if you don't know, you think that the world is giving you what you need. The world is selling you whatever it can to make the most profit. And I was talking to my wife the other day about this and I was saying, you know, life is one big game of either life dictating you or you dictating life. And it's a constant battle because the programming is strong from an early age, telling you how to live, what to eat, what to do for a living, to social media, to the mainstream media that is polluting, especially the older generations because they're not used to the stuff that we're used to. And that those people are still in your life. Like my dad, I still have to have, I, I mean, I don't have to have, but I love to have conversations with my dad but he only gets his views from mainstream media. So he's programmed in a way that is very hard for me to get him to understand. And he's on medications, right? And he's the classic case of the people that I was trying to help in the fire department. But if we don't understand how the body works and we're letting corporations and TV and music and teachers 
who are just people. You know, uh, when I was a firefighter, th this guy who likes to lift weights was saving your life. You know, I'm not that much different than anybody else. I just have a little bit more training. And that made me realize doctors ain't that much different. Lawyers ain't that much different. Like these people we put on these pedestals, they're just people. So why are we listening to them? We have the same facilities as they do to be able to determine what is best for us. And that's kind of what led me to opening Live Free CrossFit mm -hmm. is that I realized that I'm responsible. Nobody else is responsible for my health. Nobody else is responsible for my success. Nobody else is responsible for my happiness. I'm responsible for everything, which is the most liberating thing that you can realize. Uh, and I know I remember seeing shirts that you have, you know, like I'm responsible. Yeah, yeah. So maybe you could talk a little bit about responsibility because I love to hear the way you look at it too. Yeah, no, that's it. That's like the responsibility is to start for great change. And 97% plus are not taking responsibility to your point. They've been conditioned and brainwashed to believe a certain thing or idea, and they just run with it without creating original thoughts. So responsibility to me is your ability to respond to life. And if it's a poor response to life, your responsibility is poor, meaning your results are poor, your health is poor, your relationships are poor, you're the victim of the economy, you're a victim of your genetics. But when you're responsible, you are the victor, and you find a way. There's no road to happiness, happiness is the way. Like you manifest happiness, you manifest health, you take ownership. My story was the same way. First, second, the instant that I took responsibility was the second that I started to change my life forever. Same thing for you. But 97% of the population, they're not taking responsibility. You gave the example of doctors, right? You're right. It's a really brilliant business model. You go to Walgreens, for example, and you see all these processed foods at the front of the store with all these artificial inflammatory ingredients and people buy it. And then they get symptoms and they go back to Walgreens, but now they go to the back of the store and get their prescription for the pharmacy and they just keep coming back, front of the store, back of the store, front of the store, back. It's a brilliant business model, but we don't have disease because we have a, a deficiency in medication. We have diseases because the body is out of homeostasis. So number one, it starts with taking responsibility. Doing number, your, one. number one, listening to more podcasts like this, being a part of communities that you've built and other people have built. And then giving your consistent effort with these actions that you're learning and you start tracking these metrics. You spoke about the aura ring. What a great tool we could use. And I want to talk more about the aura ring. You get blood work, you do a Dutch test and you get to see now on paper and how you feel if these changes you have been making is working for you. But people who don't take responsibility are going to take their insulin in an extra dose because they want to have the donuts. So they want to have the pizza, which I'm sure you had a lot of calls of people who are diabetic who needed more insulin, right? And it, yeah. that's their mindset. I'll just, I'll have more carbs that I'll just take more insulin because what they don't realize, people who are on insulin or blood sugar reducing meds, the blood sugars might get better because of the medication or the insulin. But the question is, where is the blood sugar going? And the answer is that it's going into your organs, into your eyes, and it's going to make the disease worse over time, even though your blood sugars might be getting better. So when your doctor talks about, oh, your blood sugars are getting better, but you haven't made any lifestyle changes, the question is, where's the sugar going? And that's where disease manifests. Nobody really dies from diabetes. They die from what are, the disease is connected to it. Right. So I saw that with my dad, you know, with your mom. It's, it's so unfortunate. You know, your mom had all these trapped emotions. And I remember, John, I interviewed a really world-renowned cancer doctor. Her name is Dr. Keneally from California. She's worked with tens of thousands of patients. She's written books, speak, spoken on stages. And we were talking all about cancer. The whole episode was about cancer. And I asked her, I said, look, I know cancer is multifactorial. I know 
that we get inflammation from seed oils and heavy metals. And I know there's a lot of things that contribute to cancer, but if there was one thing that you would choose that contributes to cancer, what would it be? What's the number one thing that fills our stress bucket? And she said, trapped emotions. She said, it's the number one thing. So how important and how can you give practical tips for people to clear those trapped emotions? Yeah. Well, for me, I can say how I deal with those trapped emotions and those, those feelings of anger and normal human reactions to situations based upon our, the perspective in the moment is one, taking a second, taking a couple deep breaths and realizing that this situation is not what I'm perceiving it to be. Mm. So the, the story you're creating, you could change the story is what you're saying. Exactly. Yep. Like if me and you were to see somebody kick over the trash can outside, it would probably piss you off a lot more than me because it's your trash can. So I think that as a race or, you know, as a group of people, we need to start understanding that we are in charge of our emotions and we are not going to allow somebody to make us feel bad. We're not going to be angry at you because I'm only hurting myself. I'm not hurting you. So for me, it's understanding the perspective shift, not taking things personally. You Have you read the four agreements? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of good teachings in there about, you know, hey, that's them. That's not you. You know, like understand that they're having a bad day and you have nothing to do with that. And it's not your fault and just let it go. You know, that's one thing. Another thing is sometimes that's easier said than done. So breathing exercises. You do a lot of that. I know you go to like breath work. What are some practical things we can do? We can literally just take deep breaths because when you're working out or when you're stressed out, even right now we're talking, we're not breathing that deep. We're breathing shallow because we're engaged. Me and you are in fight or flight right now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because we are on a podcast and we feel like we have to do a good job for all the listeners and we want to do a good job for them. So there's a, a slight amount of pressure, a competition, so to say. So for me, at least, because I have these issues with competition and with staying active longer, like I'll leave here today and I'll still be amped, you know? So I'll have to do some breathing exercises and I don't necessarily have to do them, but I like the way that it allows me to transition from fight or flight to rest and digest. So from so, sympathetic to parasympathetic. Exactly. Because you can't control autonomic functions, right? You can't wish your heart rate to go down. If anybody's ever had a panic attack, they know that you can't make it go down as bad as you want. I'm okay. I'm okay. That's not going to make you okay. But if you start taking deep breaths, the breathing is like a language that your central nervous system speaks. So you have to learn how to speak central nervous system, and that's through the breath. So by taking deep breath exercises, and you'll notice when you try to teach somebody how to breathe deeply, they breathe backwards. So when they inhale, their chest goes up and their stomach goes in. <sighs> And that's the opposite of how you want to do it. When you inhale, you want your belly to expand, your diaphragm to go down and your lungs to open up. So you inhale slowly and you make your stomach bigger. You fill up and then you just slowly release. In through the nose, out through the mouth. It's a great strategy like right off the bat, right? Because if you think about it, if you take a four second inhale and a lot of people will go, right? Right. You want to inhale slowly. So you want to be there. And then exhale even slower than that, that ends up being like 10 seconds. So that's like 10 breaths in a minute. So it's really about slowing it down, not necessarily the amount, the quantity. It's about the quality, the, the slowing down of those breaths. Correct. Yeah. It's all about slowing everything down and taking 
your focus into the moment because usually anxiety is for something in the future or something or depression in the past. Mm -hmm. I've made a lot of mistakes in the past and I could be depressed about them. I could be sad. I could be woe is me or I could be like, that was a learning lesson. I'm, an, I'm here now. I'm doing a good job. I got a roof over my head. I'm on a podcast. I have a car. I have a house. I have a beautiful wife. I have beautiful kids. If I had $10 million, I'd probably be doing the same thing. You know, so that that's the start of it. And then, of course, as you get deeper into the breath work, you start to realize that you're not in the future. You're not in the past. You're in the present. And now you're like, oh, I'm safe. And you're, you're not worried about your boss. You're not worried about the presentation you got to make. You're not worried about the MMA fight you got tomorrow. All you're doing is controlling yourself in the moment. And you're going back to the breath, which is the present. And when you can be in the present, you can be relaxed. Now, of course, there's times and places for when going down and you got to be out of that. But you need to recognize that you can't stay in that position. You have to consciously bring yourself out of it. So one of the things that I like to do with my friends, my clients, whoever, is after we work out, we do deep breathing afterwards. So you work out, activate the sympathetic, and then do deep breath work, activate parasympathetic, rest and digest. Close the loop. Got right? it. You're coming in relaxed, hopefully, and <laughs> you warm up, right? You get the system going. Then you hit it hard, depending on what you're working out that day. You don't need to hit it hard for too long. And then you cool off. You do your breath work. You bring yourself back into that rest and digest parasympathetic nervous system. One of the main complaints that I get is people don't have time, right? We, we've all heard that. They don't have time to uh, stretch. They don't have time to meditate. They don't have time to do breath work. People usually find time to work out because of that adrenaline. Mm -hmm. They like that adrenaline. But if it's funny when the class is over and I have everybody in their breath work, and then we finished working out, you can tell the people that they can't sit still for one minute. They're like laying there and then they look around and then they got to go to their phones or they, they cannot sit still. I'm like, if you can't sit still for one minute, you need to do it for 20 minutes yeah. on a regular basis because you're going to get sick. That's just a sign that you're not in control, that your urges are in control. Meditation and breath work is about putting yourself back in control. Mm -hmm. So taking deep breaths post-workout is a perfect time because we're going to find time to work out. So use five to 10 minutes for your breath work. Yoga is amazing. I know that a lot of people think, oh, I don't like yoga. Oh, I'm not flexible. Hey, I'm not flexible. But what I understand that yoga does is it creates movement and breathing that you'll not get in any other place. You unplug from the matrix for a little while. You plug into yourself. The teacher's telling you what to do. You're breathing through the movements and it allows you to do breath work in a way that's not like sitting there doing breath work. Right. Which it's can more, be a challenge for some people. It's more fun probably for those individuals. Correct. And it balances you like those, those patterns are thousands of years old for a reason. Mm -hmm. And they allow you to balance your nervous system, which is super important. If you're, you know, trying to be a high performer in any situation, you need a balanced nervous system because everything is going to work better. And then that's going to help you sleep. And then if you sleep good, you also are able to build muscle easier. You're able to lose fat easier. You're able to have better cognition. And it all goes back to these, I, I call it the new hierarchy of health. So our, the first thing we talked about was the responsibility aspect, mm -hmm. right? I call that the thinking. Because think about, I like to look at it as how many reps in a day do we get? Shoot. Books say we get around 60 to 70,000 thoughts a day. 
So if you're thinking in that victim mentality and you're thinking in that uh, future, past, anxiety, depression mentality, you're getting a lot of bad reps. And bad reps are only going to perpetuate more bad reps. So by taking a moment, meditation is like intermittent fasting for your mind. Mm, That's good. Yes. Because think about it. When we fast, we're not eating. It's for our bodies so that our bodies can get rid of the stuff coming in. Meditation is the same way. You're no longer listening to me on this podcast. You're no longer reading a book. You're no longer watching TV or listening to music. You're listening to yourself. You're listening to the voice of the universe. And it takes a while to like tune out all that stuff. It's a practice. It's not something you do and you're, oh, wow, I'm very good at this. Your mind is going to be active. That's normal. But if you can think good thoughts 60 to 70,000 times a day, you're going to have downstream effects everywhere in your relationships, in your business, in your performance, because a lot of the thoughts we have, we're beating ourselves up. Mm-hmm. We're we the ones that are limiting ourselves. We're the ones that are keeping ourselves where we are. It's not anybody else. It's our thoughts. It's our programming. And it's not our fault that we've been programmed this way because that's just how everybody before us was programmed too. They didn't know any better, but now we have the ability to see how we're programmed and we can change that. So the first thing that I preach to people is let's focus on better thoughts. Like you said, let's read a book on something you want to learn about. Let's watch a YouTube video. Let's listen to a podcast. Let's do all three. Let's meditate. Let's do breath work. Let's work out. And now we're cultivating healthier and healthier thoughts, which that momentum starts to accrue over time. You're not going to see any sustainable changes right off the bat, but through having better thoughts every day, they don't all need to be great. We're still going to slip up. Everybody slips up, but just recognizing, oh, that was a slip. Mm -hmm. Like I've eliminated out of so many people's vocabulary, the word try. Yeah. Yeah. Like people in the gym. It's a bad word for me too. It's so bad. They're like, oh, I'm trying to do this. And I was like, no, you're not. You're not trying to do nothing. You're here. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. You're doing it. Yeah. Stop saying you're trying because either you do it or you don't do it. And don't say I can't either because you can. You just don't want to, you know, and just by having those little like changes of speech really empower people to be like, yeah, I am doing this and I'm going to do it again and nothing's going to stop me. And then as you do it more often, you become better at it Yeah. and you become stronger at it. And then it becomes your nature. You don't even like, I don't have to think about going to the gym. I just go to the gym, you know? I don't have to think about doing breath work. I just do breath work because I know. You put in the reps. I put in the reps. Mental reps. And I know the, the difference. Yep. I've, I've done it enough to see the difference. I eat bad food sometimes because that's good. You need to eat bad food sometimes to stay eating good food because you need to feel what it's like to eat a pizza sometimes. You, see the dif- you feel the difference. Yeah, you feel the difference. And on top of that, nobody is 100% all the time. 90-10 is plenty. You know what I mean? If you can be doing things the right way 90% of the time. You're other, in good shape if you do that 90% yeah. of the time. I watched a stupid show the other day, you know, like for an hour with my nephew. And that's okay. I, I know that it's like programming me and stuff, but I understand what's going on and I'm, I know why I'm doing it. And it allows me to, to stick to the game longer by allowing myself to do those things once in a while. Have a glass of wine with your wife. You know, I know it's not good for me. You know, I know that because of my history that, a glass of wine will affect me, but so will also not spending that moment with my wife in the way that she enjoys life, you know, because it's not going to affect me. Like it's not going to kill me. It might make me feel a little tired, but it's worth it to see her happy and to spend time with her. And there's health benefits to that too. 
right? What, exactly. All of those uh, blue zones, right? Those those countries and cities that have the long, the most long, um, centenarians, people who live past 100. People pick those apart, right? Oh, they eat this diet, that diet. They're not all the same, but the one thing they have in common is community. They enjoy their meals. They actually drink alcohol and drink wine, but they do it with like no regrets. They do it with enjoying their company. And that's like you just said with your wife is beneficial. I don't drink, but I enjoy some things with my my fiance, right? I'll watch some TV shows with her because she enjoys it. And I enjoy that she enjoys it and being with her, right? There's health benefits to that as well, which is important because we don't expect people to be perfect. We want them to make progress. And what you were just teaching was about being aware of those thoughts, those 60,000 thoughts. And I talk about it a lot. Like 90% of those thoughts are negative thoughts, according to some studies. And 85% are the same thoughts from yesterday. So people are not even creating original thoughts. They're just kind of going through the motion. So awareness is key. If you have the awareness, then you could understand, all right, is this thought serving me? Let me create a different story. If we have 8 billion people, that, that means there's really 8 billion different realities taking place all at once, which is insane. Insane. 8 billion different stories. And you think about like this person's watching a completely different movie than what I'm watching, right? But when I was 22 years old, the movie I was watching was that I was the victim. And, you know, I hate my life. I'm poor because of this person. My mom's enabling me. But those were stories that I created. And then I just changed the stories. And over time, as I changed that and got aware of those thoughts, I put in those mental reps. And now it's my default. Like for you, your default is to go work out. For you, your default is to see the good in things and to see the good in, in people. It happened over time. And that is fundamental. So sleep, responsibility, understanding those thoughts, fundamental. Then you start pairing keto or fasting or whatever it is. And all that's going to work more efficiently. And with your thoughts on the trying, it's a bad word in my community. I tell my Keto Camp Academy students, they're like, okay, I'll give it a try. And I'll say, all right, try to raise your hand. And like, oh, you did it. And I say, (laughs) trying is failure with honor. Because it's really giving yourself an excuse when it gets hard to give up because you say, oh, I tried it. Thank you. But when you say, all right, I'm committed to to doing this, you're going to figure it out. Commitment creates creativity. It's like you throw your hat over the fence. I got to go get the hat versus, uh, you know, I'm just going to give this a shot or give it a try. It's just a bad mentality. And I find myself sometimes saying it and then I'll correct myself or saying, I have to go do this. But no, I get to go do this, right? Little little things in in our language, the four agreements, be impeccable with, with your words, right? That little shift, oh, I get to go pick up my mom and have dinner with my mom, or I get to go to do this versus I have to do this. Hey, Keto Camper. What if there was an easy way to help detoxify your body, ease stress, unwind, and hey, even burn more calories? What I'm talking about is sauna usage. Now, there's a lot of studies that show the benefits of using a sauna, and it can be kind of complicated because they're expensive, and typically you have to go to a facility to use a sauna. What I love about my sauna is that it's a blanket that I use at the comfort of my own home. I use the one from Bond Charge. And sauna blankets work by raising your heart rate to that of physical exercise so you burn calories while you're relaxing. And you could burn up to 600 calories in one session. Sweating also helps flush out toxins like heavy metals from your body. And elevating your heart rate while relaxing releases endorphins, which can leave you feeling euphoric. I feel like I just got a 60-minute massage when I get out of this thing. It works by using infrared light, which heats the body directly rather than the air around you like a traditional sauna. This means you get the same benefits at a lower heat. You also don't need to have your head in the heat like a traditional sauna. 
It's very easy to use. You can enjoy a session of 30 to 45 minutes while relaxing, reading, watching TV, or meditating. It's easy to clean. It's low EMF, especially compared to other brands out there. Simple and easy to get set up. And even more important, you, Keto Camper, are offered a nice coupon code for Bond Charges products, including their infrared sauna blanket. So head over to bondcharge.com slash ketocamp and use the coupon code KETOCAMP at checkout to get 15% off your order. We'll drop that link down below along with the coupon code in the podcast notes. Okay, let's get right back to this episode. So how do you handle that when it comes, because I know we're not perfect, but when it happens to you, are you aware that it's happening and you correct it or does it still linger for some time? Yeah, when it happens, I just say, there you go again, you know, (laughs) like, hey, got to keep on working on your programming and it's okay to make mistakes because this is what got me here was making these mistakes was having these, you know, experiences that didn't seem like they were good in the moment, but they allowed me to change things in the future. So I see things like that and I'll be like, ah, I can't wait till what this is going to bring me. Mm, Where's the learning opportunity here? Exactly. And that, that little switch of perspective allows me not to get upset when things don't go my way. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm almost like resigned to it. Like, ah, it didn't go my way, but I'm going to keep on going forward. And eventually something's going to, you know, fall. You never fail if you do that. Right. It's like, what is failure? It's, it's nothing but an idea that, okay, it didn't work today, but that doesn't mean I can't keep trying. Thomas Edison, they asked him, you know, 10,000 times you tried to make the light bulb. And he said, they said, you failed 10,000 times. You know, he said, no, I just found out 10,000 ways that didn't work. It's like, that's it. You and never that's feel why we you know his name. Up. That's why we know his name. Right. Legends like that. They just understand it's all not happening to me. It's happening for me. Where's the lesson here? I want to f- land the plane with you here with two, two things to finish the conversation with. Aura ring. I want to talk about that. And then I want to talk about long COVID. So aura ring. We and you have the same aura ring. If you're watching on YouTube, same exact gold one. Uh, we love it. It's one of the best biohacking tools. I know you use it a lot for yourself and for your your students uh, that come to- Even you. I watch your stats. Yeah, you actually texted me because we're in the same group. <laughs> you texted me last week. You're like, hey, your numbers are a little low. Are you okay? Yeah, like, this is odd, Ben. Are you doing okay? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, I love that you did that because there was a day where I challenged myself. I played basketball in a fasted state and I had a couple interviews and Delray and Boca and I went to sleep late. So you saw my scores drop and you asked me about it. Because I know how, you know, good you are about that. Correct. You know? Yeah. So I love that. It's such a great way to gauge whether or not what you're doing is working for you or against you. And one of the, my favorite things with the Aura Ring is the heart rate variability. And I know you do, you weren't testing yours back when you had adrenal burnout and all that, but I imagine it was probably like in the tanked. Dumps. In the teens or like low 20s. What are your favorite things about the Aura Ring and how do you use the heart rate variability for your community members? Well, first of all, when I first learned about heart rate variability, it kind of like blew my mind because you would think that the less variable your heart is, the better. The better. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, uh, my heart is beating the same way all the time. That's great. Wrong. <laughs> yeah. You want it to be as variable as possible. I'm like, that is so strange. But back to your question, I use it every morning. I pretty much get up. I don't look at the phone right away. Because I'm trying not to. Yeah, there you go. You caught yourself. Perfect example. <laughs> because I'm I doing a better job yeah. of not looking at the phone right away. Yeah, me too. Being present, you know, with the little bit of time I have with my wife instead of getting to work right away. Because as soon as you look at your phone, you're pulled into yeah. the Russian, chat. Russian roulette right there. Russian like, roulette. You never know what's going to happen. 
but I do like to check my scores. Yeah, same. So eventually when I grab the phone, I check the score and I look at it and it tells me, did I do the right things yesterday? Mm -hmm. Did I train correctly? Did I listen to what the ring had told me? Are, am I seeing a, a trend up in the scores? Because sometimes the activity score in the aura ring is high, but you haven't done much because it's the right activity for where you are that day. Exactly. So if your readiness score, which is kind of like a window into where your heart rate variability is, is low, you're supposed to take a rest day. And a rest day, according to the aura ring, is less than 15 minutes of high intensity exercise. But sometimes when I'm walking, it reads as high intensity because I'm, I'm moving, you know? So sometimes you have to really look at it and be like, okay, I have a low readiness score. What am I going to do today to improve my activity, improve my sleep, and improve my readiness score? And sometimes that means doing very little. So if you had a workout that you intended to do that day, and let's say it was a high intensity workout going for a one rep max, but you saw a low score, you would make a pivot. Exactly. I would literally meditate and do breath work so that I could balance the nervous system again. How valuable is that? It's like, if you didn't have that tool, you'd be like, this is on my schedule. I'm just going to push through, which you did so many times in the past. And, and we all led do you that. down a bad, bad path. Yeah, we all do that. You're correct. So heart rate variability is terrific. I'm curious. Everybody has a different average for heart rate variability. There's a big genetic component to it. Like for example, Natasha, my fiance, her average is around 140, bro. That's insane. But that's like... <laughs> elite athletes usually have a high score like that. She's not, but it's genetics for her, right? Because she's she not. She might be. She's not an elite athlete. I mean, but she I'm might just have a little, it in her. Uh, yeah, I'm just a little <laughs> jealous of her scores, maybe. So when I first got my aura ring five or six years ago, my average was around like 35. And that's wow. Yeah. That's so low. It's pretty low. I was in my early 30s, right? So it's pretty low for that age. Now it's around 70, 65, 70, right? So I've done some things over the years, but that's what we want to do. We want to find our average, which is unique to that person, mm -hmm. and then work, you said it earlier, work your way on building it up. So what is your average nowadays? And what have you seen? I'm curious, because I've done a lot of like biohacking things to see what really ramps up HRV. What have you seen? What's the best tool it? that has improved it for yourself? So just being aware of the scores and seeing it and reading it the right way and seeing, okay, readiness is down. Today is a pivot day. I'm not going to hit the gym hard. I'm not going to lift weights. And if I do anything, I'm going to do yoga, breath work, meditation, walking, low intensity things that allow me to keep moving and that also rebalance the nervous system. And then that allows me to go to sleep earlier and putting all those things together and not eat too late. Yeah. And and make sure that I do those couple things that I know you need to do. And then you see that the score goes you up. Wake up the next morning and it's up. Right. Maybe back to baseline or even higher. Even higher. Yeah. And then you start to be like, okay, on those days where my readiness is up, now I can go hard. And ironically, some of those days I don't feel like going hard. Yeah, it's interesting. It yeah. tells you you're like ready to rock and roll. And I'm like, eh. Not so much. So that's you important. Know? You also have to pay attention to your body and not let a ring just determine how you should feel. Right. Yeah. Or also not let your body determine mm. what you should be doing. Because I think that sometimes because you took that day off, that momentum shift went to more of like a rest momentum. And your body's like, oh, I like that. Let's do that again. And you're like, no, we're supposed to go hard today. You know, so not listening to your body sometimes is good because it wants you to chill sometimes. And also not listening to your programming that you need to do hard work today. 
I did hard work yesterday. I'm going to do hard work today. I have a competition coming up. I have a presentation. I got to study tonight. Like my daughter, she's 22 years old and I want her to get one of these so bad Yeah, because she is one of those people that will work till 9 PM on the computer <laughs> and then not sleep well and then hit the gym hard. She's me. Yeah. She's me when I'm younger. Yeah. She, of course, she's smarter than me, and, and Does more she have the, the the Hulk genetics with the getting angry. She has angry the Hulk thing. genetics, yeah. but she doesn't get upset. Okay, you okay. know, but she has that like that drive. Yeah, you know that that can be unhealthy. Yeah, and so I have to tell her, hey, get off the computer. Hey, go lay down. She doesn't see it. She what doesn't it, she doesn't it. see any metrics on what it's doing to Correct. her. So with this, she'll be like, whoa. Like that's my HRV or like that's how much deep sleep I got. And then it'll convince her to make some changes. And that, that is what I feel like has allowed me to be healthier than I was at 35 at 45, you know? Um, right. I thought you don't believe in age. <laughs> <laughs> Going off of commonly used terms here for everybody's benefit. <laughs> All right. Healthier no, at 45. And I definitely believe in age, yeah. but I also believe in not getting wrapped up in the programming. Got it. Because a lot of times people could be like, oh, 45, you're getting up there. And yeah, you know, if your lifespan is 70 years, you are getting up there. But I believe I can live to be 90 years old by taking care of myself. Yeah. By eating right, by sleeping right. And having that belief is what's going to keep me alive too. Yeah. If I just keep telling myself, I'm going to die at 70, I'm going to die at 70. Yeah, you're going to die at 70. You're right. Yep. Yeah. Whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Who said that, Ben? <laughs> Henry Ford? My man. <laughs> exactly. So it's like, that is a huge part. You know this guy named Dr. Bruce Lipton, right? Yeah. Yeah, I know you do. Love that guy. He really kind of lays it out. If, you know, you guys have never uh, read any of his stuff, check him out on YouTube. He really lays out how consciousness affects your body, you know? And, and one of the things that I taught people that have long COVID, as we kind of were going to yeah, segue let's talk into, about that. Yeah. is that- First of all, you have to realize you're not sick. Like, I understand you feel bad. I understand you're dealing with uh, symptoms, but you cannot tell yourself you're sick. You have to tell yourself, I'm healing. Mm -hmm. I'm getting better. Yeah. Number one goes back to the thoughts. Yeah. That's the first thing we got to talk about because every time I talk to somebody with long COVID and I'm working with them, they say, oh, you know, uh, I've been sick these years. I've been sick this. I've been, I have this. I have that. It's like, no, you don't have none of that. They identify with it. They identify with it. Yeah. And then it becomes part of them. Mm -hmm. And breaking that is the hardest part. And then going down the line of, you know, physical stuff that actually is the same for everybody, you know, eating the right foods, getting the right sleep, exercise, but exercise in a certain way for long COVID is different than other people. Meditation, breath work, those things are all the same. It's all the same tools, but it all goes back to the mind. And when you can identify that you're the one in charge of your health based upon your thinking. And then you put the actions and behaviors behind it is when you see those good scores on the aura ring. That's right. You know, and a lot of people just be like, Oh, I don't know why my score is bad. I don't know why. Okay. Well, let's look at your lifestyle. What can we change? We don't got to change everything at once. Cause that's a mistake too. I've made that mistake in the past with people. You got to eat this food. You got to train this many Same. times, you know? Yeah. <laughs> And they're, then, they're just looking at you like <laughs> with glazed eyes, like, oh, okay. And then they don't do any of it. Right. So why don't we do one thing good? One tweak a week. That's one, my motto. Damn, I like that. I'm stealing that. All right. Yeah, you mind you, if I borrow it? Use it. One tweak I got a it week. from somebody else named Maddie from nice. Australia. We keep on doing it. Yeah. And that's really the truth. So when I write out a, a long COVID program, I start out with 20 minutes of meditation, 
where you're seeing yourself healthy. That's the first thing we do. So you're visualizing yourself healthy, overcoming this, thriving. I yeah. Love, I love it. And how, how does that make you feel? You know, how did you feel when you were healthy? Do you remember when you were healthy? What would you feel like if you had no sickness whatsoever? Oh my God, it feels amazing. And then you become that. You become that feeling. You identify with that feeling. And you finish that meditation and you feel better because you changed your state. You changed the way that you look at your life. And then we go into like fasting because we want autophagy, right? We want to get rid of these spike proteins. Whether you had the jab or you had COVID, you still have spike proteins in you. You want to get rid of those. So autophagy is a great way to do that along with all the other, you know, positive things that fasting yeah, does mitochondria, for Mitochondria, yep. Right. Then, of course, you want to look at supplementation. How can you boost the system? You know, mitochondrial supplements, energy supplements, heart supplements, little things that are just going to give you a little bit more support than your normal diet. Whole foods, get rid of the processed foods. That's a no-brainer. Get rid of the seed oils. Oh, yeah. Get rid of the seed oils. And, and really, I mean, that means you better cook all your food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you can't go anywhere without getting a seed oil. You can't buy a product, even in Whole Foods. I was looking for mashed potatoes that didn't, I mean, it, fries that didn't have seed oil. Yeah. All of it has seed oils. I have this, John. I don't think you've seen this. So when I go to restaurants now, because I used to tell my students, tell the server you're allergic to vegetable oils, but they don't, they feel embarrassed. So I created a seed oil allergy card. You could look at it. And I just show this to the waiter when I eat out. And it says, hey, uh, chef, I'm allergic to these vegetable oils. Please don't use them. Please use healthier options. And they pay attention. The chef comes out ask me about it because they don't want to get sued, right? So that's one of the best ways to avoid it. But yeah, to your point, cooking is when you actually know everything that's going to your food. But when you go to restaurants, just tell them you're allergic or use the seed oil card. Yeah. And and you're you're going to find places that can't even give you the right oh, yeah, food. Yeah. They, you know? they would have to like grill it or accommodate. Yeah. By the way, if you want to get it, it's seedoilcard.com for free. Continue. Yeah. So those are the things that when somebody has long COVID, we'll start to work on one thing at a time. And then by the six weeks, now you're layering all these things together and it just becomes part of your lifestyle. And are you going to fall back? Yeah, you're going to fall back. That's okay. We all fall back. It's just don't wait for Monday. Mm-hmm. Monday doesn't exist. Yeah, it's like, oh, I'll start again on Monday. Right. What, what is Monday? Yeah. Start the next thought. There you go. The literal next thought. Make it a better thought. The literal next meal. Make it a better meal. If you had a bad meal, no big deal. Next meal is a good meal. Had a bad thought. Next thought's a bad thought. I mean, a a good good thought. thought, Yeah. Yeah. So getting out of that mindset that you have to be perfect and that there's like this day or this destination that you're going to reach one day, you're not going to reach. The only destination you're going to reach is death, right? And then we don't even know what happens then. Mm. So every single day, make sure that you're focusing on those little things that you can control, and then you will be less susceptible, more resilient. I might die of disease. You might die of disease but we're putting ourselves in the best possible situation to avoid that stuff. And that's what really bothered me about the whole, you know, COVID sanctions. Like, oh, now I have to put this trash in my body because this portion of the population, which we don't even know how true these statistics are, is sick. They didn't take care of themselves. I've been preparing for this pandemic my whole life through eating right, through exercise. Why weren't you guys prepared? You know, so I think that, Preparation is key to success in any endeavor. Like you got notes today, right? If you didn't have notes, me and you'd probably be talking about the Miami Heat or something, you know? <laughs> so by preparing ourselves or and maybe being Bitcoin, proactive, maybe. 
Yeah, baby. <laughs> Let's go down that no, route. You're right, John. They, there was no talk about metabolic health from the government. As a matter of fact, they shut down your gym, didn't they, right? They, they did. They, they left McDonald's open and, and liquor stores Liquor store. Open. Yeah, it was just complete opposite. We know that. You know, I always, I always say if you want to get healthy, just... Follow what they're telling you to eat and do the opposite. It's really <laughs> easy George advice. Costanza. George Costanza, that thing, right? I talk about it in my book. John, so you have a long COVID recovery program. And I think it's important. I have several students that have had long COVID. Some still do. Some have overcome it. What you're sharing is the way to overcome it for good. I love that you're getting them to visualize and be and experience and feel that, that health because you're going to manifest that eventually. But if you're letting your stinking thinking hold you back, it doesn't matter if you fast or take those supplements. So I love that you start with that. I have one of my students, Sally. She kept calling herself a COVID survivor, a COVID survivor. I'm like, Sally, you're not a COVID survivor. You're a COVID thriver. And she said, I am a COVID thriver. And it completely changed the way she would say it, right? That little swap with that that language makes a big difference because that is the truth. We want to thrive. We don't want to just survive. We don't want to identify with it. So where can my audience learn more about your COVID program and some of the things you're educating on? And then where else can they find you? Well, with the COVID program, it's just longcovidrecoveryprogram.com. I mean, that's the longest. It's a long website, website address. Longcovidrecoveryprogram.com. We'll put it in the notes. Yeah, because long COVID was taken. Everything was taken that you could think of, right? I should have been a little bit quicker. <laughs> I'm starting to pick things up a little faster now. If I see something trending, you might as well just grab a couple domains because you never know who's going to want it. Yeah, I have like 90. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. The other day I was like on spirit.com and I was like, damn, I wonder who first got spirit.com. <laughs> yeah. That's a G right yeah. there. That was such a good move. So you can find me there. My project that I'm really focusing on now, I'm still working with long COVID people. Anybody who has long COVID, I'll help you. I've never charged anybody a dollar for it. It's always been just, I created a program Follow the program. If you need coaching, call me. I'll help you out. For long COVID? For long COVID. Oh, wow. Yeah. But what I'm working on now is integrating artificial intelligence into health. So I like to say artif- uh, AI is taking over your health. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> because now we can use all these tools. We can use all of these KHIs, and we can really get granular with our training, with our health, with our blood work, with everything because the tools are now available to us. So instead of thinking like, oh my God, AI is going to destroy me. No, AI is going to improve you, right? If you use it the right way. That's the same thing with social media. If you use it, don't let it use you. Exactly. So I decided to make an app and I've started building that app. It's called True Fitness AI. You can follow us on Twitter. It's just me on Twitter talking about all this stuff that we talked about today. But, you know, every day I try to put valuable content out so that we can educate people. And like you said, this, I wanted to make a note of this. When you talked about the chef coming out, you're educating him. That's right. And that little by little, that is going to like start to expand into the collective consciousness. And I think we've already started to see it where people are becoming much more aware of their health. And with the app, you can now create a personalized program based on where you're at based on the equipment that you have, based on your experience level and your goals. You can create a meal plan based upon your preferences. Because one of the things that I've noticed in coaching nutrition with people, I can make the absolute best meal plan ever. But if it's not foods that these people will yeah, eat, they won't do it. they're not going to yeah, do it. It needs to be custom. Yeah. So now it's just so easy for me to ask you some questions. You put in the foods you like, the goal 
what you're trying to do, maintain, and build muscle. And it creates the, the customized meal plan. For that. And it That's creates a cool. customized meal plan. True Fitness AI? Is True that- Fitness AI. The vision is, of course, like we talked about, holistic health. So we're doing fitness programs. We're doing nutrition. But then we're going to expand into mindfulness. We're going to expand into breath work. And we're going to keep on creating community around that, bringing the yoga people into the CrossFit world, the CrossFit people into the breathwork world, and bringing these healthy communities together, bringing the keto world into the bodybuilding world, and making sure that everybody is on the same wavelength when it comes to long-term health. Because I am a firm believer that the collective consciousness is what creates reality. Yeah. So the reality that we're living in right now has been created by our parents. It's been created by the mainstream media. Now's the time for us to be the leaders. We are our own radio stations. This is a radio station. This is a news station. This is a media company. And we're able to teach people from the lessons that we've learned. And by, you know, we're not telling you how to live your life. We're just telling you what we've learned. And if you are dealing with the same problems, give these methods a try. A try? Give these methods a go. There you go. <laughs> Is your, is your app available on uh, like Apple and Android? The app is still being built. Okay, so because they want to learn more. A they lot go- uh, more. That'll take a lot of moving parts. That's a lot of moving so parts. Follow you on Twitter, which is called X now. What is Twitter called now? Is it called, it's X? called X? Yeah, yeah. True Fitness AI. But before we go, I brought your listeners a gift. If they go to fitonketo.com, I just bought that domain name. <laughs> I love for this conversation. For this conversation. Fit on keto. Dot com. Was available, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I know, right? So uh, I created a guide to build and sustain muscle while on the keto diet. Oh, because on any diet, you're going to lose muscle if you don't do the right things. Mm-hmm. So I created a guide, basically just talks about lifting weights. There's a program in it, a four-week program that's for free that I use with my elite athletes. I train UFC fighters. I train regular people. And it's the same programming, but just done in different ways. I want it. The same principles. I'm going to download it right now. Download that B. Seriously. Yeah. I, I got to show you my gym upstairs too. Fitonketo.com. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So we're going to put that down below. I do have one final question before we wrap it up. I talk a lot about vitamin G, the best supplement in the world, anti-inflammatory, muscle building, fat burning, helps you recover from COVID. It's uh, gratitude, right? The, the power of gratitude. And you talked a lot about that. You kind of sprinkled it in throughout the conversation with seeing things different than what you used to, how you used to see things. So I want to ask you, John, what do you have vitamin G for today? What are you grateful for today? Man, so many. 45 years on this earth. Yeah. You know, a lot of people get upset about getting older. I think it's a blessing. I know plenty of people who are no longer here and they don't get to enjoy the, the beauty of life in, in this dimension anymore. Friends like you who have inspired me and brought me along. We didn't get to talk about all of the stuff we went yeah. through, but maybe on another we'll podcast. too. But the, the way that you have led by example and been so helpful when it comes to like helping me whenever I have a question or anything like that, I'm very thankful for that. I'm thankful for the audience who's took the time to tune in because they could be listening to any millions of things. And just the fact that they take the time to hear us and, and learn about our story is, um, you know, special. And I'm just thankful for, of course, the usual stuff, the sun, my family. But one thing that I've started doing that's really made a difference when it comes to vitamin G is like anybody else. I complain sometimes, but when I catch myself complain, I then hit it up with a gratitude statement. Mm -hmm. So something like, Oh my God, this traffic is horrible, but I'm grateful that I'm in this car right now with the AC blowing with you, babe. You know, 
oh my God, uh, these bills are killing me. But I'm grateful that I actually have a job that I could pay for these bills. And just that little spin on those complaints, because you're going to have complaints about life, has allowed me to feel better in that one second and have that gratitude on a more regular basis. Instead of just like in the morning, I'm grateful for X, Y, Z. Yeah, no, checklist. all day yeah. long. Yeah. I'm finding things to be grateful for. So if that helps anybody, that's a cool way to look at it. I love it. What you appreciate appreciates. Another way to prime that muscle, to build that muscle. John, I'm grateful for you. We didn't really get into our, you know, our story, but back in 2012, I think is when we met. We opened up a CrossFit gym together from 2013 to 2018, where I transitioned away from it. And then you've built that into an amazing community called Live Free Community, right? Yeah. Uh, what's the website for that? Uh, it's still Live Free CrossFit. LiveFreeCrossFit.com. But it's, yeah. it's in Miami, 80th Street and Biscayne Boulevard. If you're ever in Miami, go check them out. Uh, and I've learned so much from you, you know, in terms of managing a team, leading a team, fitness. You know, when I got into the CrossFit world as an owner and a coach, really just didn't know too much about it. And I leaned into you and your knowledge and your guidance and, uh, Learned so much from you about fitness, about Bitcoin, about relationships, <laughs> about overcoming adversity. And, and I remember one thing uh, that always stood out in our relationship with my first dog, Taz, the pit bull that I used to have. It's like the first year we, we started uh, working together. I remember that it was a Tuesday and my dog ended up passing away and I had to put him to, to sleep. And I came to the gym like midday. You were there like cleaning or doing something. And you saw that I was like, something was wrong with me. You asked me what was wrong. And I said, I had to put my dog to sleep. And I started crying and you, you hugged me and embraced me and told me it's okay. You know, you're going to be all right. You've been there and you kind of shared with me. You were very sympathetic. Um, and I always remember that since, you know, 2013, I think that was. So I want to say thank you for I your remember friendship. That too. Yeah. Thank you for your friendship. Thank you for being there for me when my dad passed too. You were there for me for that. And uh, go check out John Kelly. We'll put all of his information down below. If you're watching on YouTube, and you watched the entire interview, I think it's what an over an hour, type in the comment section, I finished the whole thing and I'm going to give you a gift on top of the gifts that John has given you. So let us know. We'll do round two with John Kelly. And thanks for watching, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day. I hope you enjoyed that fun conversation with John Kelly. What a story. If you want to download the free keto workout guide he put together, only for you, specifically for you all. It's fitonketo.com. If you live in Miami or traveling to Miami, you want to visit his gym, it's livefreecrossfit.com. His fitness app that he mentioned, the artificial intelligence app is truefitness.ai. And we'll drop his social media and everything down below. If you want to watch the video version and see the amazing Keto Camp podcast studio in person, go to youtube.com slash keto camp. Please consider sharing this with somebody you know leave the show a rating and review. Go get registered for the free keto training coming up for Secrets to Keto this Friday over at ketosismasterclass.com. I love and appreciate you, Keto Camper. I'll see you on the next episode. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Benazadi, disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own. And this podcast does not accept responsibility of statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. 
Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or non-direct interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.